0: Didn't blink, but I clapped.
1: <laughs> All right and welcome to the two our gathered Catholic podcast with Father Rob Kroll and me Jim Fellows. And guess what gang Father Rob is back in the saddle. Woo-hoo! Welcome Father Rob.
0: Thank you, Jim. It's good to be back in the saddle after... We you, man. S- well, thank you. That's very kind. Uh, I certainly enjoyed listening to Father Brian's podcast with you and also Deacon Steve. So I knew that you know everything was going to be in good hands, And uh, but it is good to be back after, I guess, three weeks away. Uh, I preached a, a weekend retreat to a group of men in, in Nebraska and then made my own eight-day silent retreat, which I do every year. And then uh, and then directed some seminarians in an eight-day retreat at Creighton University. There's 150 of them gathered for a uh, a whole summer program through the Institute for Priestly formation so all good stuff, but it's uh, it's good to be back with you and uh, the
1: silent retreat we had some uh, guesses as to how the Jesuit <laughs> silent personal retreats go yes it's heard pretty
0: harrowing: Well I think your your description was a bit extreme um i I was not living in a tent uh, with sackcloth and ashes and killing my food with a knife and things like that it was actually a very (laughs) um a very comfortable retreat center in schuyler nebraska oh my Uh, goodness saint benedict center and there's a group of benedictine uh, monks that live there and they raise money for benedictine missions around the world Um, but no it was it was actually I was very well provided for I had a nice comfy bed and and the meals were delicious so I I was not uh, hurting in any way what's uh what's the show that
1: uh I'm trying to um where the guy's out in the woods and he's uh, oh it's just naked and and afraid or something (laughs)
0: Is that naked and afraid or something? No, not I mean, naked and afraid. Oh. You know, I don't <laughs> want to have <hit> that picture <laughs> in my head. <laughs> it's like it's,
1: I don't know. Some uh, it's uh, bear so, gorillas and outdoor.
0: Oh uh, yeah, bear. Yeah, I remember that. Um, I forget the name of it now, but I've seen a few episodes of that.
1: So that's what we were gathering. We just figured, yeah. you know, the Jesuits being so the hardy people. <laughs> that they are that uh, that this was hmm. this was renewing your vows and right. You know, well, there's some sort of metaphorical
0: blah 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 going in, on. In reading about the early Jesuit saints, I could understand why you might uh think that, you know, we're hard There's some tough Jesuits out there, man. There are. There are indeed. Yep. I read right about admiration. a few of them that uh who is
1: the Jesuit that was uh um in the concentration camp? What was his name? Yeah. He's Father, one of your favorites.
0: He is. Father Walter Chiswick. Yes, he he uh, he's a heroic man, and and he's yeah. We've had many Jesuits uh, who have gone as to their death as martyrs, or have been also imprisoned and tortured like that. So um, yes, yes indeed. But I am not among them. Maybe, um, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> at least not yet. <laughs> um maybe
1: we should uh save him for uh if we if we pitched that book on him we should probably pitch that book on him yeah
0: we could pitch it i i don't know if we've talked about it we've done enough podcasts now that that they that they start kind of blurring right right it's really true and then i'm never sure you know when you give homilies and retreat talks and podcasts you kind of forget what you might have mentioned in which setting so i i really don't know but yeah maybe we could talk about him. Today a little bit. I do that all the time too, and it's, I don't
1: have as many venues as you, but I'll go to men's group, and it's like you know, I was thinking, it's like yeah, we heard the podcast. Shut up. <laughs> right. So it's like, well, thank you for listening to the podcast, guys. Oh, well, by, be quiet over by
0: the way, I should tell you that uh, I made some converts in Omaha. So there's a few people that are now listening to our podcast, and I got some good feedback. From them, um, Great. so that was encouraging. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, our numbers are growing. It's uh, it's Great. pretty nice. And um, Father Brian has um, graciously offered to uh, keep on filling in. We're gonna oh. uh, put a couple in the can, um, probably later on this week. Just he okay. he seemed to enjoy himself. So
0: okay, okay, this is
1: like a minor audience for him. If you go to um a Transfiguration Church on YouTube, they have like a thousand views on their podcast. Oh wow. Well and you know, we're we're climbing in that direction. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Slowly but surely. We're like the tortoise, not the hare. So. No, the the first one against the Satanists was uh Pretty popular podcast. People yeah. really, people really
0: see <laughs> that. Maybe we just one. like title every one of our podcasts with Satan in it, no matter what we're talking about. That sure. <clears throat> so, Father Rob battling
1: Satanists or um, <laughs> That's right. Satan pirates. Father <laughs> Rob battles Satan pirates. <laughs> All right, you matey. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I did see the Conjuring recently, which, which is. One? Well it's it's the third in the series now it, oh yeah it's yeah. out in theaters. so I do I, I confess that I do enjoy these kinds of movies and um, I saw Quiet Place 2 and then I saw the Conjuring three and uh, yeah it was pretty good. It was pretty scary and uh, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a good a good score and I think it was well deserved so um, uh, anyway I link. think the third one was the best
1: um, of the series yeah, well you saw two. Oh yeah, no. Okay. Jen and I are big fans. We, okay. Uh, we we we've watched all three, and right. um, it's uh, it's. A, I'm surprised at how popular these movies are. Yeah, yeah. There, um, there was there was comparisons to, um, like the, the MCU, um, which is quite the comparison. Like I didn't know they were doing that well, where they're going up against Marvel. That's pretty amazing. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wow, that is good. But that's maybe there will be a crossover. <laughs> maybe like Thor will come over mm. and and battle Satan.
0: Ooh, mm, that would that be interesting.
1: That, that would be a blockbuster right, right. there. Oh, totally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm good. anyway. So I'm what are we going to that... t- no, I'm oh, glad oh. that
1: uh, you had a, a, a you know some good solid retreat time and I did. And, that, and, and more importantly, I'm really glad that we were able to catch up on what I've done for the past few weeks. I'm going to sit around waiting for you.
0: <laughs> but uh, <laughs> by the way, I did also in <laughs> Omaha when I was in Omaha at Creighton for two weeks. I was able to uh, catch up with a lot of my Creighton prep friends because I was at. The high school there, our Jesuit high school, for six years until 2018. So, still know a lot of families and former students. So, that was actually an enjoyable part of my stay as well. Well, yeah, yeah I'm happy to. I mean, whatever, whatever, you know, you want to share from your past two or three weeks, I mean, that would be interesting. No, I'm fine. It. I got nothing. <laughs> You're fine. I'm just, you gotta, it's it's nothing well. interesting. Well,
1: we're all good here. Okay. Stepdaughter moved out, got the whole house to ourselves now, which is, you know, love uh, the stepdaughter, but. You know, now I can walk around without pants on, so it's a good thing.
0: <laughs> oh, ouch! I didn't need that image.
1: <laughs>
0: wow, <Well, laughs> that was payback, buddy. For <laughs> naked and afraid, huh? Okay, so, so what are we so gonna to, talk about today?
1: Today's podcast, surprisingly, is not gonna be about like what Father Ralph's been doing for the past three weeks, no, although we've covered about eight minutes
0: of that right I there. Know. <laughs>
1: We are you know what I'm going to tell you though something that I noticed um in the past three podcasts with uh, Deacon Steve and, and Father Brian mm-hmm. um I edited out like um a lot of stupid things that I'd say cuz like you're like way more like it's it, I'll say something stupid and then I'll hear this like long pause and be like all right I'll mark that number down <laughs> take that piece out <laughs>
0: Would and, it be easier if I just said "stupid"? You know, and then and and then you'd know to edit it's it. It's
1: much more difficult with you. It's like, oh, he seemed to respond pretty well with that one. So in there. <laughs> but it was just like I'd say something, and then there'd be this like five second pause, like right right how do i tell this guy
0: well the difference is hard. that i've done this so often with you i'm used to stupid things coming out of your mouth whereas for them they're just like shocked so yeah you know. it's like i don't know what to do with this so yeah right. this, skills of
1: editing i don't think anyone will be able to notice where those points are oh my and, um, but also, like, uh, I think uh, Father Brian's comment at the end of the last podcast, like, I don't think I've given you nearly enough abuse, Jim, not as much as Father Rob would give. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Please, well. Uh, thank you. Somebody acknowledging my pain. That's great.
0: Well, you're able to kind of dish it out pretty well yourself. we <laughs> That's we, probably pretty That's part tricky. of what makes our podcast fun is we can banter and tease, so. Yes. No, there. I agree with you. So, and maybe, and we
1: got a serious and difficult topic today, which is probably a good thing that we've been bantering for 10 minutes now. Right. I'm not sure how we're going to cover this anyway. <laughs> um, but the, uh, the season um, is upon us where uh, we have a strong focus on the Holy Trinity within our church year and church calendar. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think uh, I will say for my point that... Uh, This is a tough one to wrap your head around a little Mm -hmm. bit, so I had suggested to Father Rob that when he came back from the wilderness that maybe he could uh, help us walk through this a little bit. So, Mm -hmm.
0: Holy Trinity today, Father. Yes, indeed. We had uh, Trinity Sunday now, I guess it's maybe three weeks ago, and as you mentioned, uh, we're kind of in this time of the church here where we have a number of Sunday feasts or solemnities, things like Trinity Sunday, Corpus Christi, Body and Blood of Christ. Um, Of course, we had Pentecost at the end of Easter. So, yeah, we thought it might be nice to talk a little bit about this very fundamental Christian doctrine or dogma that we call the Trinity. Um, We're certainly not the only people on earth who believe in a monotheistic God, that God is one. Uh, We share that belief with uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters and also uh, Muslims. Uh, We're all monotheistic religions. But unlike them, we also believe that God is triune, that God is three persons, three distinct persons within the one Godhead. And as you mentioned, Jim, this is kind of a, a very difficult thing for us to wrap our minds around, which can sound like a negative thing, but actually when you think about it, um, all the great truths of our faith um, are these awesome mysteries that if we could fully wrap our minds around them and kind of understand them with our small human intellects, they wouldn't be very great mysteries at all. So um, it's it's actually a very good thing that the Trinity escapes our full comprehension and, and kind of remains uh, a mystery for us. But having said that, that doesn't mean that we can't say anything intelligent about this doctrine. So I wait, thought.
1: Wait, go go over that again, Father, because you lost me on that one. It's a good thing that this is a mystery for us.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, think if I can use this analogy. Uh, think about you know falling in love and marrying somebody. Um, now. You know, you know this person, and there's a lot you can say about this person that you're in love with and that you've committed to. Uh, you can describe their qualities. You can say what it is that, you know, attracted you to this person. But as a person, even if you're married to the same person for 50 years, um, they remain somewhat mysterious and elusive because, you know, you can't kind of fully uh, exhaust the, uh, the beauty um, you know the identity of this person that you're that you're in love with, and that you've maybe lived with day in and day out for decades. So I would kind of use that as a metaphor when it comes to God. I mean, I mean, God is the ground of all being. God is, you know, the 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 being that we you know uh, were created by and that we're going to spend eternity with. And so the idea that we could kind of bring God fully down to our level and fully understand um who god is that's you know that's kind of silly when we think about it no
1: that's true that's impossible yeah
0: so it's a good thing that while we know a lot about who god is because he's revealed himself to us and he's entered into relationship with us um it's also good that you know um we'll spend eternity kind of exploring the depths of god's being and so So, this doctrine of the Trinity is really important for us, but we would never have been able to uh, name it without God telling us about it. Um, You know, as we look at the world around us and we see its goodness and its beauty and its structure and order and intelligence, like we could and we have sort of uh, been led from the created universe to believe in a God who is. You know reason a god who is beauty itself a god who is good but the idea that god is one and yet at the same time three uh, that's not something we could have just um deduced or inferred from the beauty and goodness of the created universe we we needed god to tell us in a very explicit way you know that he is father son and holy spirit and even though we find that language, you know, throughout the New Testament, we have the, the naming of God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It took the church a number of centuries to kind of figure out and, and, and define this doctrine of the Trinity. And so, you know, we look back at those early centuries of the church when theologians were debating all this. And, uh, we could, you know, it's kind of fascinating to see how they struggled to articulate just how God is three persons without being three gods you know right um and and so it's it's not an easy thing even today you know two thousand years later we we still can't fully grasp it but we've come a long way in kind of at least eliminating the false paths and and the uh the ways Mm -hmm. of talking about the trinity that are not um doctrinally solid you know but but well the, if yeah, you think yeah.
1: about like you know the the whole history like including Old Testament where God's just holding our hand until to get a, a better compre- comprehension of who God is mm-hmm. and in the in the the early parts of the Bible all of a sudden he hits Exodus and he's like well wait a minute let's just be clear Um, I'm not a different God than the God of Jacob. I'm not a different God of the God of Abraham. Mm -hmm. It's just me, which was, you know, mind blowing to the people back then. Mm -hmm. And then he was just sitting there. He's like, Oh wait, I got a lot more coming for you. (laughs) And this wasn't something. Jesus shows up and then now Mm -hmm. we've got the Trinity. It's like that, uh,
0: that was a few thousand years of uh, training, (laughs) <laughs> you say <saying? laughs> exactly. No, it, it's a progressive uh, revelation. It's not given to the human race all at once. And yeah, so I think it is. It's kind of neat to to see uh, throughout the scriptures, who like like you said, they're written over uh, a period of centuries. How our understanding of who God is is, is you know is is progressive, and um, just the fact that we you know first believe that god is truly one um when when you know israel was surrounded by all these pagan cultures which also worshiped many deities you know for us to first of all just say no god god is one god Uh, he's the lord of the entire uh universe and of all peoples but then with the coming of jesus christ right we begin to get a better picture of who god is that while he is one God, he's also this community of loving persons. And I think that's usually when I talk about the Trinity, you know, whether it's in my high school classroom or on, on uh, preach retreats that I give, I, I always go back to that kind of metaphor or analogy of love, you know, that to talk about love involves necessarily at least two people. You have a lover and a beloved. And um, and so if we're going to say that God is love, as, as John does in, in his Gospel and in his letters, if God is truly love with a capital L, well, that requires then some kind of plurality. It requires a lover and a beloved. And that's really what we find within, within God himself. We have a Father. We have uh, the Son, so the Father and the Word, and they are in this eternal relationship of of love the the father gives everything that he is and has to the son and the son welcomes and receives the father's um gift of himself and then and then the son returns it back to the father he doesn't sort of possess it and hold on to it selfishly but he he returns it all to the father and so there's this kind of eternal giving and taking uh, you know reciprocal mutual relationship of love and And that love between the Father and the Son is so powerful and fruitful and creative that it actually results in a third uh, person that we call the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is really that bond of love between the Father and the Son. And that's why on earth, you know, I always, I never get tired of telling, you know, people that if you're married and you have children, um, that family experience is really the best icon or the best image that we have on this earth of the trinity because what is a family it's again it's a, a husband and wife two people who come together in love they give each other you know one another they give them each other their hearts their whole lives and and then they're joined in this wonderful beautiful act of sexual intimacy and and as a result of this love that they share you know appears a a third a child and and that child is even kind of stamped with the parents, you know, features as it were. You know, there's something of the parents' uh, physical, you know, features that appears in the child, but then also the the parents' personality or just their life is somehow, um, you know, incarnated in this beautiful child. So again, uh, something. It, it's but
1: it, it's still, I mean, it's it's a nice metaphor, but it still falls short, like every metaphor mm-hmm. does, right?
0: Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it limps along, but it we you know it's, it's kind it's of what now, we need. It's it's better than a a clover. It yeah, right. The St. Patrick. He, uh, <laughs> yes,
1: right, right. Although you know, God bless him for giving it a shot. Yeah, right. Um, it was it was an effort. It was a good effort. On, on Trinity Sunday, um, our priest and I'd never heard the story before. But he was talking about Augustine before he mm-hmm. became Saint Augustine. Okay. And he was walking along the beach. You know the story. I don't yeah. know if this is a true story or not. You want to tell the story? No, no, go ahead. You're you're on a roll. I'm sure I'm going to screw the story up. So Augustine, <laughs> he's he's he says that, and probably everybody's listened to us. I'm like the last person to have heard this story. <laughs> but uh, Augustine's walking along the beach, contemplating uh, how to fully understand uh, the Trinity and how how that all works together. And and uh, as he's walking along the beach, he comes across this small child who's digging a hole in the sand. And then the child um, gets his hole dug and then he goes over to the ocean and he gets a bucket of water and he pours the bucket into his hole and then he goes back and forth and back and forth and he's doing that. And so Augustine walks up to him and he's like, well, what are you doing? And and the little boy says, I'm going to uh, fill the entire, I'm going to take the entire ocean and I'm going to pour it into my hole. And Augustine looks at him and says, well, he goes, that's, that's. That's not even possible. Mm -hmm. And the boy looks at him and says, it's just as possible as you trying to fit the concept of the Trinity in your head. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, that's a precocious little boy. (laughs) Indeed. Yes. Maybe, maybe it was an angel. (laughs) Okay. Who knows? Maybe but or or a wonderful <laughs> urban myth but the point comes across and it's still good it's uh you know we have we have we have stories in our in our, in our culture in our catholic culture which is mm-hmm. fine so yeah so i thought that was uh and you did tell of,
0: it very well by the way that was the accurate the accurate oh, uh, thank you. version of it so yeah well, some,
1: some some people think i'm a decent storyteller <laughs> you are
0: um no but it, it it highlights doesn't it just how yeah how much this mystery escapes our full comprehension and yet again um it, there it, there's something beautiful about the fact that it surpasses what we can fully understand and so there's a there's a way in which we have to kind of accept ex- well, we do have to accept it in faith we have to ultimately the trinity is not something we figured out just based on our own intelligence um you know, we believe it because God has told us about it, and he's trustworthy. And then once we, you know, and the same is true of other big, you know, dog dogmas that we believe. I mean, the fact that God can can remain in heaven and yet come down on earth for 33 years and inhabit a, uh, a human body and take to himself a human nature. Like, how, how do we understand that? Um, uh, so all the great mysteries, the Eucharist, you know, how do we take ordinary bread and wine, you know, pronounce some words over it, and now it becomes the holiest thing we have on earth—the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ—while still appearing, tasting, you know, feeling like bread and wine. So, um, and, all these. And that great Jesus didn't
1: are. just appear two thousand years ago. Like Jesus has, Jesus and the Holy Spirit have always been. mm mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. And
1: and oh. that's 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 a tough concept to wrap yeah. your head around.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I think it's, we believe these things because God has revealed them, and then we do our little part in trying to understand them and make sense of them. I I always like to distinguish when we talk about our our Christian or Catholic faith between what is irrational and what is supra-rational, right? So nothing Mm -hmm. we believe is actually irrational. None of it uh, contradicts reason, but a lot of what we believe is supra-rational. So reason and faith are both really important, reason only gets us so far. Um, you know, as I say that, I'm thinking of a story or a little uh, illustration that I came across many years ago that I occasionally use. Like, imagine that you want to, you know, speaking of this goes back to the Augustine on the beach, imagine that you wanted to, you know, go to the ocean. Let's say you'd never been to the West Coast, California Beach, or maybe the East Coast. and So you drive all the way across the country and you finally get, let's say, to L.A., and then you drive to Santa Monica Beach or something. Well, at some point, the car has to stop, and you have to actually get out of the vehicle and then jump into the water to experience it. So the car was very helpful. It got you almost all the way to the ocean, but you can't drive the car into the ocean. You have to get out and then take a leap. And in the same way, you know, like reason, our intelligence can bring us a long way when it comes to understanding some of these key doctrines of our Christian faith. But at, at a certain point, you have to kind of take a leap of faith. And again, that's not irrational. We do that when we marry somebody. We don't right. you know we don't know what the future holds. We don't know everything about this person, even if we've dated them for many years. We don't know their full, you know, history, you know, all that makes them tick. And yet at some point we say, I know enough that i think i can really entrust myself to this person because i believe they're good and i believe they love me and that's mm-hmm. the same you know that's the same with god so yeah, i think that's a good way of kind of I connecting. like
1: how you compare a lot of stuff to being married I enjoy that. (laughs) Well, I think it often is. Marriage comes uh, up a lot in our podcast, and I think that's if I was a
0: single guy, I'd just be bitter. But thankfully, I'm not. (laughs) Well, and I'm not married, obviously, but I can make the analogy in a similar way with you know good 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 friendships. Well, I'm trying. I'm trying. (laughs) But uh, yeah, no, I think I think human love and human friendships, be it marriage or just really good, you know, solid friendships, those those are I often go back to them because I think. They're often the best way to understand our relationship with God and and the deepest you know truths of our faith and so forth. Um, so anyway, you know another thing' I'm, as I'm making these kind of distinctions, another one that comes to mind is when we talk about the Trinity or the Incarnation um, or the Eucharist as mysteries, sometimes we use the word mystery in a pejorative sense of like we use it to kind of dismiss something, like oh i can never really understand anything about it so it's just a mystery or or oh that you know why that guy married her or why she married him that's you know that's a mystery to me <clears throat> so we use it sometimes as a way of sort of naming something that's just sort of dumb or or incomprehensible um but really uh you know mystery is something that's loaded with with like a sense of awe and a sense of drama and a sense of beauty. So it's not the same thing as a puzzle. You know, we can talk about being puzzled by something or we can talk about, um, uh, you know, completing a crossword puzzle or a jigsaw puzzle. With a puzzle, at some point, you put in the last piece or you fill in the last letter and it's done. It's complete. There's nothing more to do with it. Whereas a mystery, we never really come to the end of it. You know, we can... We can contemplate a mystery our whole life long and still feel like we've only begun. Um, you know, I think you about don't
1: think, you don't think we're gonna if we if we're um, blessed enough to get to heaven. You don't think that we're gonna get that figured out then?
0: Well, this is a big debate, actually. You know, I was talking with Deacon Steve about this yesterday because he's writing. Yeah, yeah, he's writing um, a thesis on um, whether or not in heaven. We actually do he 's writing a thesis on the beatific vision, which is the, we use the term we use in theology to talk about the fact that we actually like behold God face to face and there 's this debate in the church and among theologians about whether when we get to heaven and we behold we behold God face to face whether we actually can know everything about him like or whether there still remains something incomprehensible and mysterious about god and and i 'm not going to you know try to settle that debate here, but it's interesting. Well, I to, wish you would. Uh, well, I wish I could. <laughs> but uh, no, but I, I do think that in heaven, we're going to certainly know a lot more about who God is, because yeah. we are going to see him face to face and behold him in his essence. But I, I can't help but believe that even through... I mean, one of the things that's going to that's make eternity so interesting for us is that we're going to keep plumbing... The depths of God, more and more and more, but never kind of come to the end of who God is. And again, to me, it makes sense because even in heaven, we have this gap between ourselves and God. I mean, we never—we're would... still finite people. We are right, exactly. Okay. So well, anyway, fair. so I and it's, know,
1: it would be impossible to, for uh, for
0: a finite to comprehend the infinite. I I that's kind of my. My understanding, and what's Deacon Steve's uh, with that. take on it? Um, well, he's he's still kind of in the process of reading these various theologians. There's, he kind of highlighted that in our Western tradition, when we talk about the beatific vision, we tend to actually believe more that we can fully like see the fullness of God, whereas in the Eastern Church, some of the Greek. Uh, fathers and so forth of the early church they they emphasize still more God's uh mysteriousness and and the fact that we don't fully uh behold him face to face so you know I I don't again I'm not this is kind of beyond my pay grade but but I I think it's uh it's an interesting thing to to ponder you know and I to me I think it's kind of exciting to think that I can spend eternity knowing more and more about God even much more than I could here on earth and yet never exhaust that mystery of who God is, you know? So anyway.
1: Well, flip it around and turn it backwards and go back to your marriage metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things that I do that my wife just throws her hands up in the air and just shakes her head. <laughs> right, right. And she's just like, I honestly don't understand why you just did that. Uh-huh. And, but she just uh-huh. accepts it. She's yeah. just like, oh. yeah. That's just the way
0: it is. Well, she might it's... even find it delightful. No. <laughs> <laughs> not even secretly? Not even a little bit? <laughs> yeah, you'd have to ask her, but uh, okay. I'm gonna, we're going right. to go
1: back to the patient's podcast and her <laughs> suffering. But there's just there are yeah. things that all will you know, but anyway... We were talking about, um, and again, my men's group is going to accuse me of, of <laughs> copping all their topics and throwing them into our podcast, <laughs> but uh, so we were talking about, well, we were talking about the Holy Spirit, not so, and not so much the Trinity, um, but um, how um, it's, it's my, my point with the group was I can, I have uh, an easy time identifying with Jesus probably mm-hmm. the easiest time being able to identify and have a relationship with Jesus. Um the second would be God the Father. Mm-hmm. But, um but the Holy Spirit has always been kind of an enigma to me and then mm-hmm. all three at the same time it's just like well I'm just going to call you God and I'll just say a prayer and <laughs> right I'm going to make that all work. But what's interesting to me is is how like um Protestant faiths are really, really in touch with, like, you know, the Holy Spirit moved me to... Yeah. Like, they they they, they seem to have a much deeper connection to the Trinity than I do. I'm not going to say all Catholics, but I think that... Uh, I, I never talked about the Holy Spirit when I was preaching, when I was a youth minister,
0: because I didn't mm-hmm. understand what was
1: going on. Well, it's interesting Thoughts? you say that, because
0: the charismatic movement kind of was born, actually, in the Catholic Church. So it is kind of ironic or paradoxical that now... Maybe uh, evangelical Christians and and other Protestant Christians um, may have a more lively sense of the Holy Spirit or talk about the Holy Spirit more more freely than we do. I, I think in recent decades there's been uh, a greater emphasis within the Catholic Church on the Holy Spirit, and there's a more Catholics who are kind of into the Charismatic movement. Although maybe more recently that's kind of waned. I'm not sure, but there's still I, I know a lot of people that still you know will even as Catholics, they'll pray in tongues or they'll attend conferences where the Holy Spirit is much more, uh, you know, called upon. Um, it's interesting, well, the, too, isn't it? Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
1: No, the, the concern that comes to my mind, because I'm just perseverating over everything, is... Nice you word. Know, if, pardon?
0: I like that. Perseverating. That's Boss, awesome. Man. I haven't heard that in a long time. Yeah, that's my jam. <laughs>
1: um, but uh, when, it, when it comes to my faith and when it comes to the, the Trinity... It's like, well, am I focusing too much on Jesus? Am I focusing, you know, not enough in the Holy Spirit or right. is it on the Trinity as a whole? And you know, is that working against me? It's like, am I somebody like being annoyed by that? Uh, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's hard to. It's like I accept the Trinity. I don't understand it. I accept it. Right. Um. But if I'm if I'm honest and I'm praying, um, I'm I. We'll pray to the triune God at Mass Mm -hmm. when it comes up. Mm -hmm. But other than that, it's just, uh, you know, I'm reaching out to God the Father, God the Son, and hoping the Holy Spirit is paying
0: attention. Yeah, yeah, No, and I think that's actually kind of natural. I, I mean, just from my own experience and people that I know, I think that we often gravitate towards one person of the Trinity, or another, when we pray personally, you know I think you' you're absolutely right in highlighting that at the mass. I mean the whole mass is kind of structured in a Trinitarian way, and we often name the Trinity in, in at mass. you know and I think about um, you know when we elevate the the consecrated elements, also at the doxology, I mean there's always this sense that we're worshiping the Father you know in Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. But I think when it comes to our own relationship with the Trinity, we might feel more comfortable praying to one or the other. And the fact is that the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, you know, did become uh, a human being in Jesus Christ for a reason, uh, so that so that we would have a more tangible connection with the Triune God. So I don't think it's unusual that as Christians, because God became incarnate in Jesus, and we have all of his words and actions recorded in the New Testament that we're going to maybe focus, you know, more on Jesus. Also, the thing with the Father and and, and Jesus is we're talking about, again, kind of human relationships there. I mean, a Heavenly Father, a human father, you know, Jesus is our brother and so forth the fact that the holy spirit is often imaged as a dove or as fire you know mm-hmm. it, it, there's something or, or as a as a breath of of wind there's something more kind of like elusive about the holy spirit which might make it also a little tougher for us to uh, image and pray to the holy spirit um but i think again there's a, i know some people that their primary way of accessing god is is through the holy spirit and so yeah. I mean, as long as that's we're impressive. not denying, you know, yeah, it we're is, and, you know, and, and
1: so. Well, as some of the guys in the men's group were um, suggesting, and this isn't, this is a pretty good suggestion, that because the Holy Spirit um, was um, the action of love between the Father and the Son. Am I saying that right? I don't want to be blasphemous here. Am I yeah, in, well, saying I think that's pretty close. Weird. Yeah, pretty close. <clears throat> that when we see signs in our life that are pointing us in, you know, if uh, we get a, a sense to turn left instead of turning right and avoiding a car accident, or as seeing something that actually helps resolve some crisis that we're going to, that it wouldn't be out of line to attribute that to the Holy Spirit.
0: Correct. Correct. you agree with that? I do. I do. I mean, I think, again, we never separate them out, so wherever right, the Holy right, Spirit right. is, you know, the Father and the Son are there too. But, no, I think I think in our, in our own lived experience, we— we can privilege at at certain moments, we privilege one or the other person of the Trinity knowing that they're always together, but that, yeah, we experience them in different ways. And so maybe like you were saying, when we feel inspired, uh, to, to make a decision or to, or something suddenly comes into our mind and heart that we weren't thinking of and we really, it brings us peace and consolation. I think it's natural to say, okay, that's, that's something of the Holy Spirit, you know, working in my heart and mind in that moment. Um, so i i think it's just to me it's just awesome that this triune god um reveals himself or god reveals himself to us as this relationship of love like you know there are other terms i mean i mean god is kind of god is kind of a nebulous term it's kind of vague um, you know, think about the fact, like, in a 12-step program, they talk about God as a higher power, which is not wrong, but it's kind of, its kind of uh, flat for us as Christians. Or, you know, on the dollar bill, isn't it on the dollar bill, we have the architect of the universe, you know, kind of the Mason type of image, where we have this pyramid with the eye, you know. So those are not necessarily wrong, Catholic? but— but they're not fully Catholic, right? I mean, that we—what an awesome thing that we can talk about God as a as a Father, as a, you know, and, and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And and the awesome thing is that this Triune God wants to live in us and does, you know, in our baptism and our confirmation. I mean, we're those gifts of the Holy Spirit are poured out in fuller measure upon us. Um, we as Catholics have in every pretty much every church and chapel around the world if you go into it and it's catholic you're going to find a tabernacle when there's a little lamp or candle burning to indicate right. that the eucharistic jesus is there mm-hmm. i'd love to point out that to the extent that we're baptized catholics we and and then if we're confirmed on top of it and then if we're receiving the eucharist regularly like the trinity is actually living in us uh, as if we are kind of mobile living breathing tabernacles you know i mean god doesn't want to just be kept this sounds kind of I don't mean to be flippant here or crude, but he doesn't want to just, just be kept in a box in a church. He wants he wants to live within us and animate us from within. And so the fact that the Trinity actually like takes up residence within us, that's just an awesome mind blowing thing you know that they're not just up in the sky somewhere uh, distant, but they're actually you know, they actually live in us and they transform us into themselves over, the course of our life. I mean, that's the whole point, is that we're transfigured into, you know, Christ and, and the Father and the Holy Spirit. So, anyway. Um, the, kinda, the thing that blows me away, yeah. and I'm, I'm never going to figure
1: out, this is one of those things that's just going to be a mystery I'm never going to figure out, but the, uh, from a theological perspective, um, the three parts of the Trinity
0: the triune God. Yeah, don't say parts though, because then you get into kind of a. Okay, well, how should problem. I say it? Um, the three, I would say persons. The three, the three persons. persons of the Trinity. Thank you very much.
1: The triune God. That one's okay, right? Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the, uh, the three persons of the Trinity are full and complete in and of itself.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Yeah. So therefore, they really have no need for us. We don't add anything to that mixture and yet they still the 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 triune god still wants us to be right involved in a part
0: yep totally that's that a blows huge me away. point i know i know i mean and actually when when you say that jim and you said it very well that like god because he is this community of loving persons he uh, is perfect and perfectly happy within himself like when you said therefore they don't need us like that can sound like a bad thing but actually it's an awesome thing because it means that you and I and all human beings were created by this God of love simply as gift. You know, we're pure gift. Like they don't need us to be a God. It's not like it's not like they're lonely and they're not Lord over anything until they make the world and creation. And then now we can actually be God over something. No. F- within themselves they have this, this uh love that they share and they're perfectly happy and content. So it means that, you know, everything else, including ourselves, we're, we're, we're just kind of like made, like their love is so fruitful and creative, it, it like spills over, as it were. Think of maybe like the Nile River, which I think, from my understanding, every year, the Nile overflows its banks and floods its banks, and then what it does is all along the river, you've got these really fertile uh fields where all this wonderful growth you know these crops can be grown because all this nutrients has flown over from the river i mean it's sort of like the trinity's love and essence and life it it just it like spills beyond itself and then we're created and and because we're not needed that means that they just create us out of pure like love and joy and gift and and so that's really good news for us you know so yeah so that's really good you know, too, I, I want to highlight a couple of just really practical things about—because the Trinity, because it is so much of a mystery, and, and, and you know, theologians get into all the little um, debates, and it can get very heady and very kind of abstract, but I want to bring home the fact that this, this concept or this doctrine of the Trinity for us has some really, really important practical daily life uh, consequences. So, I mean, the fact that God is a loving—a relationship or a communion of loving persons— it means that relationship is really like the fundamental category of all reality, that when you get married or when you uh, have good friendships, uh, when you have a family life, that is not sort of a very accidental and secondary part of our reality of human life, but it's it's really at the core of who we are as human beings. So we're mirroring somehow the Trinity when we enter into these loving uh, relationships on earth. and. So I think that's really huge. You know, we're, we're not created to be isolated, you know, lonely people. We're, we're created for union, union with God and union with one another. Um, so I think that's like a huge consequence of the Trinity that we can never emphasize enough. Um, anyway, so I just think that's really important, you know. Um, there, you know i don't want to get too philosophical here, but like in my philosophy studies that I did as a Jesuit, you know we studied the fact that there was this period a few centuries ago called the Enlightenment when a lot of famous philosophers thought that really our our basic inherent state of nature as human beings is is to live in isolation, you know kind of to live our own individualistic lives, and we only come together, we only kind of as it were come out of our caves and form societies because we like need to protect our life and our property and and then you know the state becomes kind of this like coercive uh government that tries to like help us to live without too much conflict with one another and and some of these philosophers really believe that basically to be a human being you know we we were intended to just sort of like our, our happiest state was sort of when we were just living in isolation, and then we had we had to come together out of necessity. Christianity proclaims something very, very different, which is that we are by nature you know intrinsically uh relational and and that we're meant to be living in in good harmony and communion with one another and with with God so it's a whole different take on what human life is all about but anyway so, so i
1: I've, I've been resisting telling the story, but I, now you now you're just forcing the issue hmm. um when uh when i was uh i used to tell the story um all the time uh, when I was doing youth ministry and my my kids would just end up giving me a really hard time about it uh-huh. but uh, um back in I don't know if it was the forties or the fifties um there uh, was a story about an orphanage that had um, 40 or 50 babies inside this orphanage, in this large room, and there's only two or three nurses that were able to staff the whole thing. Uh-huh. So all they had time for was um, to feed and to change each baby, and then they'd have to move on to the next one because uh-huh. there's, they were so outnumbered right. between the nurses and the babies. Right. Well, all mm-hmm. of a sudden, they started noticing within the situation that some of the babies were dying. And they mm-hmm. couldn't figure out. They brought the doctors in. The doctors couldn't explain why this was going on. And the uh, the head of the orphanage decided to bring in a bus from uh, the retirement center,
0: okay. the
1: senior home. And he brought the bus in every day. And all all of the uh, seniors did was um, hold the babies, mm-hmm. talk to the babies, and love the babies. And they would do it for a couple hours every day, and then they'd send them back. And that stopped yeah. the death, mm-hmm. which demonstrates the fact that we don't just desire to be with each other. We physically need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is built into our, this is ingrained into our actual you know, DNA.
0: Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, that's a great story. And I, I haven't heard that particular one, but I've heard others like it that indicate you know, not that they've like done these experiments exactly, no, no, but but that no, would but be just horrible. <laughs> that would be horrible, right? <laughs> but but they have they have noticed, yeah, in various studies, just just like how that, you know, with with young with babies, infants, but also young children, just how that that human contact, the physical contact, but also the emotional bonding, and we know that much better now than we did, like you know. A few centuries ago, how important it is, like especially for the mother in those in those crucial early months of life, to you know to to smile, to light up with the baby, and I mean just all of that bonding that goes on right. uh, between mom and child. So you're right. I mean we're made for that kind of union with each other, and I don't think we outgrow that either. Never, never, nope. no. And I know as a priest, you know I deal with, I've dealt with, dealt with so many people in life who are really wounded and often it does go back to, uh, to those early family relationships. And, um, so yeah, you know, there's a, there's a lot of healing that can happen later, of course, through some good counseling and through good friendships and marriages and all that. But, but yeah, or th- those initial, um, early years of life are, are really, are really key. Well, look at that. We've managed to fill up Another podcast with Our stuff listeners that we don't know the answers to. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Why do people? Yeah, I don't know. I think about um, what was that? Uh, Click and clack, the Tappet Brothers from um, what was that NPR? Pro? Oh, car talk. Yeah, they they always used to end by saying, you know, you've wasted another perfectly good hour on car talk here, and that's kind of what I want to say. You know, like you I'm wasted. Going to mark that time a, for uh, edit. What cut that, edit that out? <laughs> No, don't edit that. Anyway, Encouraging people
1: not to listen to us. That's brilliant. You
0: wasted another perfectly good 45 minutes listening to us. But no, we, we, uh, we appreciate oh, yeah. all those who, who stick with us and, and listen. It's anyway. good to
1: have you back, man. I, en- I enjoyed talking with uh, Father Brian. I certainly enjoyed my time talking with uh, Deacon Steve. Um, but it's, uh, it's, it's good to have, uh, have you back in the saddle.
0: Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, yes, it's, we have a good time and even say some things that might be helpful to people. Look at that. I mean, so, you know, was... you never know. <sighs> well, we didn't talk about a product or anything, did no, we? No, we did. We were going to talk about the book. Oh, um, you he, were going to mention the book of the, the, the Jesuit who was in uh, the concentration sure. camp. Okay. Yeah, so I'll give a quick synopsis. So we're, we're referring here to Father Walter Chiswick who is a, uh, or was, he's now deceased, but he was an American uh, Jesuit of Polish extraction, and he um, went over as a young priest to minister to people in Poland, and when uh, Russia invaded this part of Poland, uh, he was arrested as a quote-unquote Vatican spy, trumped up charges, but uh, he was put in this infamous Lubyanka prison in moscow for several years where he couldn't celebrate mass and was kept uh yeah kept alone in a cell and it it nearly broke him actually it kind of did break him at a certain point he signed a confession and then immediately got back to his cell and and regretted that but he was sentenced to 20 i want to say 23 years of hard labor in uh soviet uh, labor camps in siberia very hard conditions But he survived, and when he got out, uh, in fact, his brothers, his Jesuit brothers back in the United States were praying for him, thinking he was dead, because nobody had heard of him for several years. And then he was exchanged in a Cold War prisoner exchange, came back to the United States and lived out his final years here um, stateside and died in the 1980s. But he wrote a book called With God in Russia, which was kind of a detailed account of his experience, but it wasn't really the book... That he wanted to write. He himself said that. Uh, It it, it gave a lot of facts and kind of narrated what happened to him, but it it didn't have the kind of um, spiritual distillation that he had intended. And so he wrote another book called He Leadeth Me. And in that book, he did uh, reflect more on his uh, kind of what he learned uh, spiritually. And it's a a beautiful testimony and was very important in my own uh, vocation to the society. Uh, I've seen his grave. He's buried um, out at the um, Jesuit novitiate in Wernersville, Pennsylvania. And there's always a lot, it's kind of touching, there's always a lot of rosaries and other artifacts that people have left behind at his grave. So he's got kind of a following, and I hope he's at least beatified, if not canonized someday. Uh, He's now considered a uh, servant of God because his cause for canonization has been opened. But uh, I probably won't, well, I hope I live to see it, but if not, um, maybe down the road. Be, well, uh, if you die, you'll see it immediately. Well, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But don't please don't pray for that. Though. I'm not praying for that, okay. but I'm just yep. saying at some point. <laughs> yeah, at some point, it's going to happen. No, this it is may true.
1: not be recognized fully on Earth, but uh, if you die, you can run you, into the guy. You,
0: you do, yeah, exactly. So, no, so I recommend he leadeth me to our listeners. I think they'll find it a, a really moving. And, and if we have uh, if we have any
1: listeners who are also spiritual directees of Father Rob, um, <laughs> I'm not going to say it's mandatory, but um, it would be a as, a as a former spiritual directee of Father Rob, it was really good idea to get that one under your belt if you got
0: some free time. <laughs> this, this is true. He I will would. really appreciate it. I, I would, and and I know quite a few of my uh, seminarians here that have that have uh, read the book already. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it's a good one. Well, all right. Very
1: good. Well, let's close things up and uh, let's, uh, uh, why,
0: don't you, why don't you lead us in prayer, Father? It's been a I'd while. be happy to do that. In name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So Heavenly Father, Jesus, our Lord and brother and Holy Spirit, our advocate and our guide. We're so grateful that we were able to reflect Uh, in this podcast uh, on the great mystery that is you and your love for us and we ask that as we go about our daily lives that we might uh, be more deeply aware uh, of your living presence within us help us to live a life of authentic Christian charity Um, we ask also for your blessing uh, upon all who are listening to this podcast and upon their families Uh, keep them safe and help them uh, this summer uh, to in the midst of all their work and busyness help them to also find islands of peace and tranquility where they can uh, be aware of your uh, presence in their life and so may the blessing of almighty god the father the son and the holy spirit descend upon our listeners and remain with them forever amen amen all right, folks. Thank you so much for listening to
1: us. I, I appreciate the fact that our audience is growing every single week. Mm-hmm. Um, we uh, love praying for your intentions. If you uh, if you have something that you would like more people to pray for, please send us to us. Send it to us at mail at two r The number two, the letter R gathered.com. And if you've got questions that Father Rob can answer, certainly not me, but if Father Rob can answer these questions, <laughs> we're happy to take those too. And we've usually responded to those in the past. I think we've always done that. I think we've always done on that. Yep. So, all right, Father, um, it, you're going to be kind of spotty this summer, right? you got a lot of uh, commitments going
0: on. Well, in the month of July, I'll be directing several people on a uh, 30-day retreat. It's the Spiritual Exercises of St. Ignatius. So I'll be down at Mundelein Seminary doing that. But we'll, I think we'll be able to make time to continue to... To do these podcasts, but uh, yeah, I entrust actually those individuals. I think there's a total of 20 of them, so I think we're five directors and 20 retreatants in the month of July. So if people would be praying for them in their retreat, that would be much appreciated.
1: Well, all right, we will, uh, we will, uh, I guess we're done. I guess so. <laughs> we'll you see you next time. Have a good
0: week, and <laughs> bye bye, everybody. Care.
1: God bless.
0: God bless.